Yud Aleph Av, Tuf Shin Ayin Vav, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Yishai Lapidot with an updated version of a uh, of an old classic. Ki nicham Hashem Tzion. Nicham kol chavoteh, very appropriate, obviously, for today. The day after we commemorated Tisha B'Av. It's actually two days after Tisha B'Av. Because Tisha B'Av was a nidcha. But we are back, and uh, we're excited to be back with regular music, regular format. On the Israel Show, we are here each and every Monday, 
immediately following JM and the AM, which translates into 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Israel Time. And we thank you for joining us. We have a great Facebook page where we post somewhat after the show links to the songs that we played and links to articles we discussed and lots of other um, interesting things. We don't bombard you with stuff. Don't worry. It's pretty, pretty tame. And uh, we're very excited because we are... um, we're getting to certain goals of likes. It's very important on Facebook, actually, um, for the purposes of, of publicity to get more and more likes. And we're up to 393 page likes. We're headed towards 400. Anyway, that I digress. We're on Facebook, and we're here via the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, or you can uh, podcast us on iTunes. Just look for the... Israel Show or Nachum Siegel Network and um, click on that. So um, Tisha B'Av is over. Yay. The, the, the nine days between Rosh Chodesh Av and Tisha B'Av, the three weeks, Bein HaMetzarim from Shivas Tammuz. these are the, the, the really, the days of of mourning, of Avelut, that we mourn for Yerushalayim, and, and uh, sometimes I, 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 I feel like we should be saying, we do mourn for the Mikdash, and we mourn for Yerushalayim, but we also mourn for the end of any Jewish community, in the first Beit HaMikdash, the Jewish Malchut, in the second Beit HaMikdash, a Jewish organized community in the land of Israel, and the murders of, of tens of thousands, if not more, of Jews, during those awesome, awful, awful, awful um, times. Uh, we're going to try and give a little perspective to this, um, to Tisha B'Av. And, and I'll start off by saying, yes, I'm not a rabbi. I'm not, I'm not pushing any, any, you know, changes to anything. I, I, but I want to share with you some, um, some different perspectives. I'm, I'm just trying to present a situation at this specific point in in times in time 50 years after the reunification of Yerushalayim under Jewish sovereignty and so we'll do some of that and we'll talk about some of some other thoughts that are somehow related you know on uh, on Tisha B'Av uh, around the country in Israel there are many different uh, ways to commemorate the Churban in Yerushalayim specifically, many tens of thousands go to the Kotel, which is surely a uh, symbol of the Churban. And over the last few years, there's been a, a new minhag of, I think it's a renewal of an old minhag, to march around the old city walls of Yerushalayim. And, and I understand that thousands of people attended that. It's at night, Tisha B'Av night. Um, during the day, 400 people were zoche, 400 Jews or religious observant Jews were zoche to uh, go on to Har Habayit itself, which it's that in it of itself is, uh, um, in my mind, the move forward toward where we want to go toward the Geulah Shlema. When when this process of Tisha B'av started. We were thrown out of the land of Israel. We were 
banned from going to the Harabayit. We were banned from the city of Yerushalayim. And slowly we come back. First we came back to half the city, then we came back to the whole city. Now as more and more people are interested in doing this and the Rabbanim have found the right way to do it, more and more people are going on Harabayit. It's a process. We have to go with the process. This was, by the way, a record year for the Har Habayit. Uh, and the police actually cooperated. Um, but there's an interesting minhag that I heard of uh, years ago. It was the minhag of uh, Dr. Yisrael Eldad. He was a very interesting man. He was one of the heads of the Lechi, an ideologue, a right-wing ideologue, a nationalist. Not orthodox, per se. And uh, he had this minhag. On Tisha B'Av, he would go to the Israel Museum. Now that sounds strange. But in the courtyard of the Israel Museum was a huge bust, a, a, a statue of the Roman Emperor Hadrian, Adrianus Caesar. This was the worst of the worst of our enemies. We know that uh, the, the, the Roman Caesar, Titus, Titus, destroyed the Bet HaMikdash. But Hadrian Adrianus Caesar, I believe, was far worse, and I think that's the way he's, he's described in our, in our sources. He had enough of the Jews. This was years after the Churban, uh, and there were still Jews who were the merit, the merit of Bar Kochva, and so forth, and he decided that he's going to put an end to it. And he plowed over Yerushalayim. He banned Jews from ever coming into the city. He changed the name of the city. He wanted to obliterate any memory of the city for the Jewish people. So he changed the name from Yerushalayim to Eliyah Kapitolina. And he changed the name that was given to the Jewish state, so to speak, from Judea to Syria, Palestina. And that's where we get the name Palestine and Palestinian and all that stuff. It all comes from this Russia Marusha, this Adrianus Caesar, who, um, who didn't want the name of Judea, of Jews, of Judah, to continue to, to be in the world. And he thought he was done with us. But Am Hanetzach Lo We are an eternal people. And so Dr. Yisrael Aldad would go to the Israel Museum where they had this statue of Hadrian. Where did they find it? They found it in various digs, archaeological digs. They found several, several st- statues. Some were bronze and don't remember, some were stone maybe, um, were found, many, over the years, and the Israel Museum had this one. And so Israel al-Dad would just, he, and he was not a tall man, he was a relatively short man, he'd walk up to that statue that was there to glorify the Caesar, the Caesar that put an end to Jerusalem, supposedly, the Caesar that put an end to Judea. He would stand there and he would say, Oi, Hadrianus Caesar, look around. Where are you? 
You're in a united Yerushalayim. Under Jewish sovereignty, the Jewish people have returned to her, and it is yet again named Yerushalayim. And although it's not named Yehuda, this land is now named Yisrael. Where are we and where are you? The Roman Empire is long gone, but the Jewish people continue continue to survive and thrive long after you. You, the evil Adrianus Hadrian, where are you and where are we? Look around and see.
Uri Davidi. Udi Davidi. <laughs> I can't believe I got that wrong. Udi Davidi with uh, really a song that encapsulates it all. Encapsulates it all. Ruuva Orisha Zarech. God tells us, look at the light, my light that is starting to shine, that is rising over the horizon. The light of the Geula. Batchila Kima Kima. At the beginning, it, it, it rises slowly. But the more it continues, the faster it goes. And we we surely have seen that over the past um, several hundred years. Um, as I was thinking about the situation that we're in, this unique, unique situation that our generation is in, a generation that has seen the reunification of Yerushalayim under Jewish sovereignty and yet we have not merited the final geula. And we're like the sandwich generation. We're like in between. And how do we, how does that fit in? How, how do we work that? We can touch the Khurban and at the same time we can feel the geula. And what do I mean by we can touch the Khurban? One example, many of you might know that um, there is a place on the slopes of Har, Har HaTzofim and Har HaZetim, actually, where um, the City of David Foundation is in charge of huge, huge amounts of dumped ground that was taken from the belly of Har Habayit and dumped for garbage and some people were smart enough to run and save that and put it somewhere where it is protected. And tourists, by the way, visitors in Israel do this often. I've sent people there many times. You go and you dig, you help sort out and dig from that 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 uh, ground that has come out of Harabayit. And many people, we found many, many things. Coins, different um, little... Um, spearheads and so forth, all kinds of things. Um, this was a terrible thing that was done in Harabayit and, and unfortunately the state of Israel allowed it to happen where they dug out all that remains underneath Harabayit. If it would have been dug properly, who knows what we would have been able to see, but the Arabs exactly didn't want us to see. Anyway, <laughs> I digress again. Um, much of the earth that was taken from Harhabayit, from underneath the ground level, that what is now the ground level, is charred. You can tell. You can literally see that this it was burnt. It was part of a cataclysmic fire that we all know took place in the year seventy on Tisha B'Av and into the 10th day of Av. And so a, a, a minhag has, has, a new minhag has started. Some, we are no Hague. We have this custom for generations and generations and generations. And it's brought down in Shulchan Aruch and other places. And goes back probably even further. That at a wedding, at the height of a simcha, 
We remember Yerushalayim. We pause. We break our simcha. And we take a moment to remember that as a people, we're not where we should be. And that's why we break the glass. It's supposed to be something that hurts us because we're breaking something that is expensive. Of course, it's become ritualistic like so so many other things. And so, although we're going away from that now in in, in previous generations, it became the cue to scream Mazel Tov and and it lost all its meaning. Today, Baruch Hashem, many people, um, and this is something started in Israel and people come back from Israel and bring it with them. Many people at the wedding sing, they break the glass, they sing, they really do take a minute to remember Yerushalayim. So now, many, many chatanim have added another part to that custom because in addition to breaking a glass, there is a custom that goes back a long time of putting ashes on the forehead to remind you of um, Yerushalayim. And many chatanim have now requested from the Ir David people if they could get a little bit of the ashes that actually were from the Beit HaMikdash, from the Beit HaMikdash itself, the burnt earth that is now in the in the sovereign united city of Yerushalayim. I saw that online and I said, wow, look at this. We can feel, we can touch the Churban at the same time that we feel the Geulah. It's, it is a unique moment in time of Jewish history and we need to remember that and keep it in mind and thank God and celebrate that at the same time that we are still in Avelut because the process isn't over. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. ZANG <laughs> שירו לא זמר ולא אשרם שהשם אלוקם ואז יפוח היום והשקר יתעדה אז יצאו במחול כל איילות השדה וידלגו על הערים ולא מחמת אמת השואלים ומחג ועשה
כל דודי דופק, פיתחו לי בניי. הגיע זמן גאולתכם, ולצרותכם אמרתי די. ובאתי לבשר, שלא תבכי יותר אחר. מריחים את המשיח, יותר מכל אבקת רוכל. שלום לך דודי, יצח ואדמון. שפוחם אותך על אבנים, ושב לבי צרון. ברחמים, כי לרחמך אין זיכרון שיכיל את כל הנתונים. ואז יפוח היום, ושקר יתהדר. אז יצאו במחול כל איילות השדה, וידלגו אל הערים. ולא מחמה. Thank <laughs> you. Yet another contribution to the musical spirituality that uh, the uh, Geula brings us, Kol Dodi by Ishai Rebo. That's just one of those songs that is amazing. The words are yet another contribution to the musical spirituality that uh, the uh, Geula brings us, Kol Dodi by Ishai Rebo. That's just one of those songs that is amazing. The words are unbelievable. The melody, everything about it. And uh, I think that's one of the songs that propelled Yishai Rebo to, um, to the heights of the Israeli music world. Uh, I mean, even the secular Israeli music world. As he's now singing duets with people like Shlomo Artsy. Um, Nefesh Benefesh is unbelievable. It's celebrating their 50,000th Ole from North America. That is so amazing. It's happening tomorrow on their flight on their charter flight, the Nefesh Benefesh charter flight. Um, let me see if I have that quote. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll give you that quote. Anyway, Nefesh Benefesh is uh, the sponsor of the Israel show, and we thank them very much for that. We're very proud of having them as our sponsor, and this is an organization that just revolutionized Aliyah. It just did. It took Aliyah out of the hands of the Jewish agency, and and it revolutionized it, made it, something that people felt it was in. It wasn't something to be ashamed of. It was something that was doable. It was something that you could accomplish, even if maybe it was difficult, but they, you knew they were there to help. And so we are very proud to be sponsored by them, and we celebrate with them the 50,000th Oleh. We encourage you to go to their website, www.nbn.org.il, www.nbn.org. I L and I, I somebody posted this I'm sorry I don't have the source um, it's a letter 
from someone in his 40s who uh, is making Aliyah with his family tomorrow on the Nefesh B'Nefesh uh, charter. And he writes a letter, an open letter obviously, to his mother who is here in America and has these mixed feelings about her son and her grandchildren who are making Aliyah and going to be very far away. On the other hand, she probably had a hand in educating them to uh, appreciate Israel and uh, and what it means to the Jewish people. So he quoted, he said this, and I have to quote it because I just thought it was such a great line. He ends his letter to his mother. He writes, you will look across the expanse, that means the, the oceans, to see where I've gone. But I, from my new home in Israel, gaze across the ages and gratefully see where I came from. Wow. So thank you, Nefesh Benefesh, for everything that you do for the Jewish people and uh, for the Israel Show, for your contribution to our small piece of the big puzzle that is Nefesh Benefesh. Um, so after the song, after the break, the next song, going to open up a, a, a question, something that is debated a lot in Israel around the time of Tisha B'Av. And it makes sense that it wouldn't be really very much debated in the United States or in other countries outside of the Holy Land. Being in this unique situation, the generation that returns to Yerushalayim and yet has not experienced the full Geula, what I call the sandwich generation, How do we approach different parts of Tisha B'Av, the morning, and all the other parts of it? We'll do that right after this. Shir HaMalot Yizar Shabi, B'Shuv Hashem at Shivat and Hayinu Kuchalmim. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Yizhar Shabi, Shir Hamalot. It's a nice one. It's been around for a while, actually. Um, we're going to post a link to that song and all the other songs that we're playing today. We're going to post a link to it on uh, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. And um, we're going to... Um, sorry about that. I'm a little distracted here. <laughs> so we, we brought this question up uh, we, we raised the question before the song. We'll start again. Over the past 50 years, we've faced an interesting dilemma regarding Tisha B'Av. The question is, should our attitude towards Tisha B'Av change in any way? Our attitude, our, our observance of it, should it change in any way? As a result of our return to Yushalayim, and Yushalayim being um, with full... Uh, sovereignty under Jewish sovereignty over the past 50 years now this question is most likely to come up or pretty much only would come up in the religious Zionist communities because in the uh, what we would call the Haredi communities there is no real um, acknowledgement of the fact that the state of Israel that our return to the land of Israel our return to Shalim has significance in the sense of a gula process or anything like that. And in the, let's say, non-observant community, that's not an issue because they're not observing any of these. So that's why it's limited, this discussion is limited to the Tzionidati community, the religious Zionist community that sees Israel as Reshit Michat Gulatenu and so forth. And even so, in within that small community, there's still a tremendous uh, variety of, of thought and debate that has been taking place over the past year. So there are three, I've seen basically three approaches. One approach is, even within the religious Zionist uh, um, world, nothing changes. Nothing changes. Till the Geula process is, is ended, till we have a Melech and a Bet HaMikdash and so forth, Everything remains the same. The second is, the second approach, is that we need to acknowledge the Yad Hashem. We need to be thankful for the gifts that Hashem has given us. We need to be thankful for the fact that we're living through the process of Geulah, whatever point in time we're at in that, on that timeline. And if we don't, if we don't have any acknowledgement, if Tisha B'Av is exactly the way it was 200 years ago, 
where our forefathers were, whether they were in the Arzot HaMizrach, North Africa, or Mesopotamia area, or in Eastern Europe, where where we were a, a detested people who could barely barely conduct ourselves in our religious way, the way we'd like to, to have religious freedoms, to have any freedoms. Could Tisha B'Av today and the Tisha B'Av of 200 years ago be the same? And if it is, are we not being ingrates to God and saying, as if we're saying to God, oh, nothing's changed, nothing's happened, you didn't do anything for us. And The, so this second approach says we have to lighten up a little bit on the morning, on the evel. It doesn't change anything halachically. Nothing changes halachically. But inside ourselves, our attitude, our approach, we have to lighten up a little. We have to, at the same time that we are remembering with tremendous sorrow all the terrible things that the Jewish people have gone through in the last 2,000 years, we at the same time acknowledge that there's been a change and that our generation, for the first time in these 2,000 years, is in a different place than the previous generations. Place physically and place also as far as our recognition of of, um, the Geula. And so we fast and we keep all the other the halachot, but there's one possible change, and we'll get to that in a minute, but I just want to bring the third approach. The third approach is a very, um, very far-reaching approach. It says, we stop fasting, we don't fast, we celebrate Yerushalayim, and our return to Yerushalayim, and so forth and so on. Now, um, personally, I'm in the second camp. It's interesting that those in the third camp, those who say we stop fasting, have an interesting um, source, if you will. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that that this source is saying this. I'm just saying that people that say, I don't want to fast anymore on Tisha B'Av, and again, I personally am not in that camp, um, So, there's a, in, in the Sefer, in Sefer Zechariah, in the book of Zechariah, in um, chapter 7 and 8, there is um, an interesting situation that's being discussed. The Jews have returned from Galut Bavel. After 70 years of the Galut of the Bayit Rishon, of the first temple, the Jews have returned. And now they ask Zechariah, the Navi, Should I continue to observe Tisha B'Av? We've come back, we're building a better Mikdash. 
Now, obviously, there it's different because there, there's an Avi and there's a Beit Hamikdash. But listen to the answer. Emor el kol am haaretz velakohanim lemor. Zechariah says, "This is what God has told me." Kit samtem v'safod b'chamishiu v'shvi'i v'zeshivim shana hatzom samtuniani. The fact that over the past 70 years you've fasted, you've mourned on the Chamishi and Shvi'i. Shvi'i is, uh, is, is Av and Shvi'i. Chamishi is Av and Shvi'i is Tishrei Tzom Gedalia. Both from the first temple period. So God says, if you're fasting, am I hungry? Meaning, I don't really care. You're the ones eating and drinking. Not me, God. I don't really care if you're eating or drinking. What I do care about, Yerushalayim was sitting peacefully, I told the Nevi'im what your focus needs to be. Do justice. Chesed, have mercy on those who don't have power. And don't hate one another. And, and the Jewish people, God says, didn't listen, and, and so I had to destroy the Beit HaMikdash. So, if we lose the focus of what the fast is about, of what our mourning is about, if we lose the focus, if 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 we do the just the 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 pulchan, if you will, the rituals, it ha- it should have an effect on us. But if it doesn't, if we're the same on the next day, then God says, I don't care if you're fasting or not. Now, I wouldn't apply that to this situation. But there are those who do. But there's one point, and that's the one I left out before. Those in the second camp, the, those in the religious Zionist camp that say, we continue fasting, we continue mourning because we haven't reached the final, the final gula, because we don't have a Bet Dash, because there is what to mourn about. Look at Harabayat. We've spoken about it many times. Look at the situation there. Yet, we can't just not acknowledge the Nisim, the miracles that God did for us. And where does this come to play? It comes to play specifically in the tefillah of Nachem that we say, Antish Abe'av. Our minhag of the Ashkenazim is to say it during Mincha. And the problem that people felt right away after the Six-Day War was, and don't forget Six-Day War was in Chavchet Iyar, Yerushalayim was redeemed, so Tisha B'Av is not far away from there, and and everyone is in the exuberance and excitement of the moment. The Nusach that the Ashkenazim have for Nachem, Nachem Hashem Elokeinu at Yerushalayim so it talks about that Yerushalayim is mourning without her children. 
ha'chariva It's been, uh, uh, it's desolate. There are no more homes. And no one lives there anymore. It's empty. The city of Yerushalayim sits. Her head is, is down. As if she was a barren woman that never had any children because there's nobody around. She sits there all alone. And, and so people felt that these words specifically, that Yerushalayim is has no none of her children there and that their homes have been destroyed and are empty and that the the city is empty and no one is there that to say that today and that was in 1967 but surely today it would be even more true to say that today would be lying it would literally be lying now that's not to say that everything is great and that Yerushalayim is not an evil because we do know that we haven't yet reached the end game. We haven't yet reached a point that we can appreciate even that we have Harabayin and what we need to do there. But to say that Yerushalayim is empty of its children, that it's as if she never gave birth, as, as that there's no nobody living there, that the homes are empty, that the city is desolate, that's literally being a lie. Now, when we say that, we understand that it means desolate of Jews, not desolate. And so, many different proposals on how to deal with this. First of all, great Rabbanim said, we don't change it. We don't change it because we don't have authority to change tefillot. And we don't change it because until the process of the gula is complete, we, we don't, make, we, 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 we don't uh, play with the text. Those were the two thing, things. Meaning that as long as Yerushalayim does not have the Beit HaMikdash, it is considered desolate, chareva, destroyed, and so forth. Now, the people that said this can't be <laughs> accused of being, uh, 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 not being Zionist because they included Harav Ovadia Yosef, Harav Isser Yehuda Unterman, who was the chief rabbi, Ashkenazic chief rabbi, and the Rav of Yosef Dov Halevi Soloveitchik. And yet, I am told, and I, I would appreciate if someone corrected me if I'm wrong, but I was told recently that Rav Lichtenstein, Rav Salvechik's son-in-law, who usually followed in his footsteps, did make slight amendations to it because he felt that he couldn't say these words. And, of course, Rav Goren and others have amended, made some changes to the Nachim. Um, the Mechon HaMikdash put out a, a, a new Nachim, so to speak, but it's not new. It's based on the Nachim that appears in the Yerushalmi. The Yerushalmi has a different Nachim. And uh, Rav Nachman Kahana of the old city mentioned in a, in a post years ago that he, this is the Nachim that he says, and so forth. And so forth. Console the mourners of Tzion and Yerushalayim, Habita el Mikdashcha Hashameim. So the focus becomes: look at the Beit Hamikdash that is not here. Asher Hayal Esreifat Esh that was burnt. Samchenu b'tikuno, and may may we rejoice in its its reestablishment with Zakenu Livnoto, v'Ashresh Chinatcha b'Tocho Adolam. And that's just a part of it, but that shows you how they made that adjustment, and that's pretty much the only adjustment that 
within the religious Zionist camp was made, the adjustment to Nachem, where people felt, I just can't say this, and an internal adjustment. Ultimately, if Tisha B'Av, I believe, if Tisha B'Av to us is the same today as it was to our forefathers 200 years ago, then I think we have a problem and we are kfuyetova, we lack in the appreciation. Does it mean we have to change what we do, our practice that, that's been practiced this way? Doesn't doesn't mean that because that takes guts that I guess we don't have. But it can mean internally that we make a change in our mind, that we understand that Yerushalayim is now different, that Israel is different, and that we all have an obligation to be thankful for what we have, to be thankful for what Hashem gave us, and to do things in our lives to, to show that appreciation. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Hamadregot, Hayinu Simechim, from their album Ma'ayan Chayim. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Thanks so much for being with us. We're going to end off the show with some good thoughts, as has become our custom by the request of our listeners. Uh, before that, thank you, Yehudis. We had a technical problem. I could not call the people that need to be called. <laughs> and um, listener Yehudis um, emailed or, or texted the proper people and they got it back on. Uh, I will make every effort to use other sources that I uh, that I have, like backups, and correct that in the archive. So if you missed the part of the show and you want, I understand it was like a part where I was talking about the dilemma of Tisha B'Av in today's uh, day and age. If you missed it and uh, you want to hear that part, um, I hope that it will be corrected in the archives and you can find it on NachumSiegel.com or um, or you can podcast it via iTunes, whichever you prefer. When Yushalayim returned to Jewish sovereignty in 1967, archaeologists, Israeli archaeologists, began uncovering, digging down, and discovering amazing, amazing things. Literally, we can touch the same stone that was touched by our ancestors. We can walk in their footsteps, literally. As somebody once told me, he should rest in peace, somebody once told me, when you touch the stone, you know that that DNA was, was there before. It's an awesome thing. As you go into the Koto, you see on the right-hand side the southern wall excavations, they're called. They're actually the corner of the western wall, the Kotel, all the way at the end, and the southern wall where they meet and it goes around. And what they've discovered there is beyond comprehension. You see Hurban Habayit. You see it. You see the stones that the Romans toppled over and how they crashed into the sidewalk, into the street, actually and cracked the paving stones of the Roman street. You see the burn marks that were left there by the fire. It's unbelievable what you can see. There's also other things found there. There was a a piece found from the Beit HaMikdash itself, from the Second Temple, one of the only things we have from the Beit HaMikdash. It wasn't the building, but it was part of the Harabayit, a stone that said, LeBeit HaTkiyah, LeHa, and then it, it broke, but... This, this surmises that it's Lahachriz and so forth. Well, as they were digging, and I, I was in Israel at the time in Machon Lev in the 1980s, I had an opportunity to go there numerous times, and as they were digging, they uncovered what we would call graffiti. And I had the opportunity to walk up to it and, and look at it closely, and you can literally see that somebody scratched, etched, etched into the stone with some hard tool, the pasuk from Yeshayahu. Uri'item v'sas libchem. And you will see, you will see the geula, you will see the return of the Jewish people. V'sas libchem, and your hearts will rejoice. Ve'atzmoteichem kadeshet ifrachna. That's how the pasuk ends. And their bones will flourish, will bloom like greenery. 
Actually, the graffiti says, That's an easy mistake to make. Maybe it was a mistake, a typo, <laughs> hard to correct in stone because it's written in stone. And it ends with Kadesha. But it was clear that that's the Pasuk he's referring to. There's no question. The question is why? Why did a Jew, hundreds and hundreds of years after the Churban, come and etch that Pasuk into the stone? And one of the theories is, and based on the fact that a little lower down in the digs, as they were uncovering layer of layer of layer of history, were found bones that would constitute like a small cemetery. Now, you don't bury in the city. We don't bury in the city. Why would there be a small cemetery right at the foot of Harabait inside Yerushalayim? Maybe, some of the archaeologists surmise, maybe there was a siege around Yerushalayim. Don't forget, Yerushalayim was captured and recaptured and captured and recaptured by, by different armies over centuries. Maybe there was a siege and there was no choice and they had to bury in the city so they buried the bones there. A Jew came maybe 50 years, 100 years later, saw the cemetery there, and sort of like scratched out that message, your bones will flourish. Your bones will bloom like the greenery when the gulag comes. That's the theory. Combining the graffiti and the bones and everything else. Today, by the way, if you want to see that writing, that graffiti, you can't access it. It's so... They dug so much further down till the Roman street that if you want to see it, you you have to look all the way up and you can't actually see it itself. But there are pictures of it all over and I, I, I feel like a very privilege to have seen it. When else was there a siege around Yerushalayim that we know about? Well, in 1948. In 1948, Yerushalayim was under siege. The Jews were... The Jews in the old city couldn't get out, couldn't bury, and if someone died, whether natural causes or through the battle, they were buried inside the city in a somewhat temporary grave, so it was thought. And so there was this Kever Achim in the old city of Yerushalayim for 19 years, between 1948 and 1967. But the people of Israel didn't want to forget those that perished and are buried there. There was no place for their families to mourn. So in Har Herzl, the state of Israel put up a commemoration stone reminding us, commemorating, honoring the memory of the Jews that, were, that died or were killed and are still buried in the old city, and we can't get their bones out to bring them to proper burial. Now, this is in 1950-something. When they discussed what pasuk, what wording should be on this memorial stone, they came up with the idea that it should take a pasuk from Yeshayahu, Uitem, Besaslibchem, Batsmotechem, Kadesha Tifrachna. They didn't know that buried underneath the rubble and the the earth that has accumulated over 2,000 years, that somewhere underneath that, a Jew hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago had the same thought and was connected to the same pasuk and used it possibly 
for the very same reason. Running way late. Thank you so much for tuning in and making us a part of your week. Until next Monday following JM in the AIM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. ארץ קודש, זבת חלב והדבש במענות של קרב שהשקט בגועש זה מה שיש זה מה שיש ארץ טובה מהעורר נחל ארנון ארץ תקווה ועד הסיון